I invite you to turn today to James chapter 5. We're going to roll along today in our study of James. We are getting very close to the end of the book of James. And so we have probably just, oh, I hate to give it a number because you know how I am, but I would probably say three or four messages left in the book of James, and then we'll go to the next thing that God has for us. And so we've, I hope that this study has been a help and a blessing to you as we talk about the idea of how our faith works, how, how the things that God does in our lives work out in our lives as we live them out in his help every day. And one of the things that you never want to, to leave out and never forget is, is the grace that we need from the Lord to live these things out. Um, that, that God does call us to a life of action, and he gives us the grace to fulfill those things. And so this week, we're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, and we're going to talk about this idea of patiently, patiently looking for the Lord in our lives. James says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it, until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end, the, the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate. And merciful. Father, as we open your word now for just a few minutes, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. We pray that, first of all, you would help us to set aside distractions out of our minds, uh, things that we have going on. We all have a lot of things that go on in our lives at any given moment, and they try to push their way into the surface of our, of our hearts and lives. And we ask that you would just quiet our hearts now. And we ask that you would use your Holy Spirit and your word to pierce through the, through the things that we have going on, whether, they, um, whether it would be one here who doesn't know you as Savior, that you would pierce their heart with the gospel and show them their need to come to you. For the Christian who is struggling right now with sin or with other things in their lives, that you would break through these things and show them their need to make these things right with you. And we ask that you would challenge us to further growth in you as we live in a world of darkness and sin, that we would truly look ahead toward the coming of our Lord. And in so doing, we would act in a way that would uh, be in accordance with your word. I pray that you would give me words to say, that you would help me not to say anything that would get in the way of what you'd like to do here today. In your name we pray, amen. The time will come. You just have to be patient. You ever heard a phrase like that before? How many of you really hate that phrase, right? Because you really struggle with being patient. We loathe those words because patience is such a hard thing in life. Because it doesn't come natural to us. We ever long, and more and more so in our world, we ever long for instant gratification and fulfillment. This is why patience is listed in Galatians chapter 5 as the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. If you know the Lord, and if you follow him faithfully, walking in the Spirit, he will work in your heart to cultivate this fruit of patience. And in so doing, you can see his patience worked out in your life through his changing you from the inside out. But perhaps our understanding of patience isn't always accurate. And I say that for myself. 
that oftentimes I think of patience as something like you're just waiting for something, right? You're just waiting for something to be done or to get here, or you don't feel like there's anything you can do. But here in James chapter 5, here James talks about being patient when it comes to looking for the Lord. And, and James is ever the man of action. We've seen that throughout the book of James. And he tells us that there's actually more to patience than just waiting around, you know, twiddling your thumbs. We are to, in patience to be looking and act, acting in such a way that honors our Lord. As I was studying this passage, I read um, yesterday, I always have one commentary I save until Saturday and just and read through it. And as I was reading through uh, yesterday, I came across this quote. I, I thought the way this author put it really kind of opened some of this up here. He put it this way. Faith involves trusting God with what you cannot control while honoring God with what you can control. This, this is the essence of godly patience. There are things we have to trust God for. We, we can't control those things. But that doesn't mean that then we can just do whatever with the rest of our lives. We have to then honor God with the things that do fall in our control. Our faith works out then in patiently waiting for the Lord as we live godly lives. And so what we see from this passage is that because the Lord's return is imminent, I must live in a way that honors him and rests confidently in his appearance. The, the, the ever-present idea that God could return at any moment that doesn't just spurn us on into, oh, okay, well, we'll just wait around, but it spurns us on into living a life that honors him as we confidently say he's coming back. And so, therefore, because he's coming back, Therefore, because he's promised this, I'm going to live in a way that should he return, or when he, return, when he returns, or should it be in my lifetime, that I'll be living a life that will be honoring and pleasing to him in his strength. And so here we're going to look at just a few things today from this passage and see what James says about how we, what the attitude of patiently looking for the Lord looks like, what the action of that is. And then James illustrates that with two people from the Old Testament to show us these things. And so let's look first of all at the attitude of patiently looking for the Lord. We find this here in verses 7 and 8. James says, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And we see, first of all, then, that patience, our patience for God, is informed by who God is. Last week, we were in the first six verses of James, looking at this idea of the picture of God's coming judgment. One day, all those who reject God will, and depend on themselves will face God's judgment on their sins. And the things that we think will make us happy or the things that we think will get us through life are nothing when compared to an almighty God. And though the wrong seems off so strong, God is on the throne. And so James says that even though the wicked pervert justice and do wrong to the godly who are given no voice, there is a reckoning that will come. And so this truth that God will judge sin does not go without ramifications. So that's why in verse 7, you see that first word, say it out loud, it's the word, therefore. And if you see a therefore, you should go back and see what it's there for, right? The, The word means so then, or because of this. So James says, because God is coming, and because God will judge sin, no matter what wrong people do, therefore we can rest confident, we can look 
wait patiently looking for the Lord. Because God judges sin in his holy sovereignty, and because he is always in control, we can patiently wait on him. Patience is informed by who God is. James's audience refocuses again here. He uses this word brethren, which means brothers and sisters. He uses it a couple times here in this passage. And he's, he's refocusing into the brothers and sisters of the church in Jerusalem. In this life, you and I will face trials and troubles. The result of a fallen world is that there is trouble in our lives. Job 5.7 says this, Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Rich or poor, godly or ungodly, old or young, no matter what distinction you want to make, all of us inevitably face trouble in our lives. There are hard times because of sin's effects on our world. However, added to this, if you are a follower of Christ, there's another type of trouble that comes into your life because we live in a world consumed with sin. And if we, as such, if we live in such a world in a way that God calls us to live, this world is opposed to the message of God and will oppose us in turn. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 20, Remember the word I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The believers here in Jerusalem sure face their share of hard times. James has recounted this a couple of times. We saw last week again, he's recounting again some of the things that they have faced. Simply because they're followers of Jesus Christ. And in the face of trials and trouble, it is easy to become restless and to stray from God's perspective. It is easy for us to look for a way out of these things. It is easy for us to adjust ourselves to, well, if I do this instead of that, then I'll, then I'll be happier or I'll, be, I'll have less pressure in my life. But James seeks to pull believers back into this proper perspective of waiting on the Lord and his return. He tells his, his, his readers to be patient until the coming of the Lord. Now, this word, to be patient, is different uh, than that word for endurance that used, James used in James chapter 1. If you remember, several months ago, we looked at James chapter 1 and this idea of trials. And, we used, and, and the word that was trans, a lot of times translated patience there isn't really the word patience, it's endurance. It's a different word. Here, James uses a word which means, it means to be long-tempered or persevering. And and this word is a verbal form of the same word that I talked to you about just a minute ago in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the word patience there. This is the same word just put in the verb. It's a word that carries the idea of honestly, patiently enduring difficult people. I don't know if that means it's a fitting word for a parent, but maybe it is sometimes, right? That's a joke. You can laugh, okay? It's easy to get frustrated at the things we are going through or the problems we face in life because of others, is it not? I mean, think about what James has just said at the end of verse 6. He said, you have, been, you have condemned, you have murdered the just, he does not resist you. He's saying there are people out there who are going after righteous people and they're not being resisted. Would that frustrate you a little bit? Would that cause you to doubt God? Would that cause you to, to be worried and concerned? And James says in the face of these things, 
to be patient, to be long-tempered and persevering. Because God, James tells us we have patience because, because of who God is and because he is the Lord of hosts, as James says, who will bring judgment and right all wrongs one day, we can patiently wait as we look towards his coming, that Jesus is our returning Lord. And James says here, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And that word coming literally from the Greek translates presence, until the presence of the Lord. One day the Lord will return and we will physically be in his presence. And when he is physically present, the righteousness of his kingdom will be manifested. And therefore, we can await him simply because of this. He is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, and he will do what he has promised to do, we can wait patiently for him. And we need this patience if we're going to, need to, if we're going to see him work in our lives. And, and James illustrates this very vividly here in verses going on in, in the end of verse 7 and, and, and into verse 8. He says that patience is necessary to see God work. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Patience is a hard thing, especially in a culture where instantaneous is our norm. You know how easy it is for us to get things? How many of us have been frustrated over the last couple of years as we've gone through these things such as supply chain shortages and all of a sudden you can't get your coffee filters from Amazon in two days like you used to, right? We're used to these instantaneous things in our lives. But James illustrates to us that there is great value in patience and we must have patience if we're going to see God work in our lives and he illustrates it with the picture of the farmer. You know, if you're an impatient person, it's really hard for you to be an effective farmer. Farming was common in Israel, and it takes a lot of waiting. The farmer controls some things, like the planting and the weeding and the maintenance of the fields, right? But there are a lot of things that are out of control of the farmer. He can't control the amount of sunshine that comes. He can't control the rains that are come, when they come, how much they come, and, 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 and these other things that go on. And so, having planted his crops, the farmer here waits for the rains. James mentions the early and the latter rains. This shows the length of time that the farmer would have to wait. In Israel, there, there are early rains that come during the planting season and then late rains that come in the harvest season. And both are vital to the, to the, the growth and the maturation of the crops. And if a farmer is impatient, he will short-circuit his harvest. He must have patience to see fruit and gain the reward of his commitment and his labor. For the Christian... Patience is needed to see God work and to see him return in the end. As the farmer is patient, James commands, so also you, a follower of Christ, be patient. If we look at the world and see the things going on, we feel a lot of things. None of them are good. We feel overwhelmed, discouraged, Restless. I mean, have you ever felt these things as you look around at your life and in the world? Instead, what does James say here? He says in verse 8, 
He, he tells us to, to wait. You also be patient. And he says, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James says this word establish, it also means strengthen your heart in light of Christ's return. And again, the literal meaning behind the word is to make fast. And it comes from a word that means to cause to stand or to prop up. We are to cause ourselves to stand up. We are to prop ourselves up. We are to strengthen ourselves to to make fast ourselves in this, that Christ is returning. And that is our hope and stay. And his coming helps keep our hearts in check. Our patience is informed by his promise to come back. And James says that that return is at hand. We have to understand that the next thing in God's plan is the return of his son to call believers to himself. And so, this is the attitude we need in our lives. Patience for the Lord's return. We need to patiently wait on the Lord every day. We need to patiently keep our lives in check with this idea that God is coming back. But every attitude has a resulting action in our lives. And James says that here in in verse 9. He tells us that there behind the patience is an action of patiently waiting for the Lord. And what is that? Well, he says, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. There is this idea that we have to live godly in our patience. Impatience with the Lord and the circumstances of our lives plays itself out in our attitudes towards others. Do you realize this? That if you are unhappy with God about something that's going on in your life, it will manifest itself in how you treat other people. You cannot, you cannot be at odds with God and it not affect the way you live your life. You cannot be at true peace with God and it not affect the way you live your life either. The word grumble here carries the idea of groaning within oneself. And when we disobey God, it results in a heart that struggles to view others in a way that honors him. And why is that? Why, why is that always the case? Well, because we need God's help to live in a way that honors him. And if we're out of sorts with God, we're not depending on him to live in a way that honors him. And so therefore we have issues with other people. Waiting patiently for the Lord informs how we treat others. And if we are bitter at the Lord and at the things he has allowed into our lives, we will be bitter and resentful towards other people. Have you in your life ever met a bitter person? It's not a fun experience. It feels as if you can't get close to them because of the poison of the bitterness that comes from within them. And if the wrong thing is said or the wrong buttons are pushed, they they lash out. And we ask ourselves, where does this bitterness of soul, where does it come from? Well, it comes from a deep-rooted anger with God and the things that he has allowed in our lives. And what are some of the things that God allows into our lives that we become bitter about? One, it may just be these trials and these testings that God allows in our lives. And we don't respond well to them. Instead, we get angry with God and we say, why did you allow this to happen to me? Why this and why that? And it begins to affect the way we live with others. Quite honestly, another thing that comes into our lives that we don't respond well to is consequences of our own sin. 
That we did not do things the way God called us to do. We did not obey God the way God called us to obey. And therefore, we experience consequences of our sins. And we get angry and bitter at God because of the consequences of our sin. When it's the natural outflow of what's going to happen in our lives. And James tells us, if we live in such a way, if we, if we, if we have an impatience with God and a failure to allow his imminent arrival to fill our eyes, that we will face judgment. Now, if you know the Lord as your Savior, you will not face judgment for your sin to eternal damnation. But our works will be tried. And if you live a life of disobedience to God, even as a Christian, then you will be found lacking in the last day and will not receive the rewards he has promised to his own. One One author said it this way, our reactions to wrongs can be as bad as the wrongs inflicted on us. And how we react to the things that God brings into our lives says a lot about who we are and where we trust. God has promised a reward to his faithful servants, but for those who do not live for him, there will be nothing they have to offer their king. And so, we must live in light of Christ's return and let that reality change how we treat other people. As we patiently look for the Lord, we we begin to say then, okay, now what does that mean? How do I live in a way that interacts with other people? And the urgency of living in this way is found in the second part of this verse, that, that patience is informed by imminence. James says, behold, the judge is standing at the door. And he said at the end of verse 8, the coming of the Lord is at hand. So let us not confuse being patient for the Lord with complacency about his coming. Our patience instead must be informed by the imminency of Christ's return. For indeed, he could return at any moment. And it is easy for us to sit here in the year 2022 and say these things like, well, for sure the Lord is coming back soon, right? You ever heard somebody say that? You ever said that yourself? Because in our cultural context, it's really hard for us to imagine he wouldn't be coming back soon. But that has been the expectation of so many a Christian, as it should be. Do you realize that from the time of the ascension of Jesus, his followers have been looking as he told them to look? From the time that he returned to heaven, they realized he could come again at any moment. Let me just show you. Very quickly, several verses here to show you this context. Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, Paul wrote, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Hebrews 10.25, the author wrote, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see, and here it is, the day approaching. The day is the return of the Lord. 1 Peter 4, 7, Peter wrote, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. 1 John two eighteen, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that this is the last hour. Revelation twenty two twenty. he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. This is the perspective of our lives 
set forth by God in his word that Jesus is coming again soon. And it is the perspective that we need every day. Because we do not know when Christ will return. So we must live in light of that return. And as Christians were persecuted for their faith in Rome, they lived looking ahead to the return of Jesus Christ. Every single one of these verses I just showed you comes out of that context of Christians being persecuted under the Roman Empire. They looked ahead to the return of Christ. As the world entered the dark ages, Christians waited for Christ. As the Reformation dawned and the light of the gospel went forth again boldly, the expectation was for the coming day of Christ. And as the world has perpetuated sin and the light of the gospel has been persecuted and at times given greater light as it ebbs and flows, our world ebbs and flows, the hope has always been the same. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But do we live this way? Or do we enjoy the things of this life so much that we hope it, maybe wouldn't say it out loud, but we kind of hope, well, it'd be all right if it waited a little bit. We need to live every day as if the Lord will return, for he might. And that is our greatest hope. Our greatest hope is that the Lord would return and that we would be with him forever. But our greatest hope is also our greatest conviction that the Lord might return at any moment. How would he find us living for him? And that's exactly what God gives to us. He gives us, in in the return of Jesus, the greatest hope of our lives and the greatest conviction for how we live in him And to realize that we live in a world that is full of darkness. And we rub shoulders every day with people who live in that darkness that we have the opportunity to reach with the gospel. We have the message of Christ that he has has impressed upon us and commanded us to share with other people. Our patience for Christ's return is informed by the imminence of that return. And so, if it can happen at any moment, and it can, it is so much easier to wait on the Lord. And if it can happen at any moment, and it can, it motivates us to live for the Lord. So let us wait on Him, expecting Him, living in a way that honors Him, And let us look to those who have come before to see the illustrations of patiently looking for the Lord. James, ever the one to give us a picture, an illustration, does not leave us without one here. He points us to real life examples of those who suffered while faithfully serving the Lord, living out his patience. First up, he gives us the picture in verse 11, or sorry, verse 10 of the prophets. And this is a prime example of suffering and the patience that they had through these things. James says here, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. God's prophets, who were primarily sent to his people in the Old Testament, were not popular. They did not write books on how to win friends and influence people. Nor did they give their own message. They came and said, Thus says the Lord. And most of the time, what he had to say didn't go over really well with God's sinful people. 
they gave the message of the Lord and they sought to convict and, uh, people of sin or proclaim God's judgment on sin. And if you go through the Old Testament, might I show you what could be argued the two most successful prophets of the Old Testament were, were a guy named Nahum and a guy named Jonah, and they didn't even go to Israel, they went to Nineveh. One of them saw great repentance, one of them saw the promised judgment. And so as they proclaimed, thus says the Lord, they paid the price for it over and over again. They faced mockery, scorn, marginalization, torture, and death. And that's from people who were supposed to be God's chosen people. Jesus spoke very plainly of this to the religious leaders of Israel when he said in Matthew 23, 31, Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. These men endured so much for the Lord. They gave their all to him. They were rejected on this earth and suffered for his name. But in it all, they gave us a great example of patience. That no matter what, they continued to live lives that were worthy of the kingdom. They continued to do what was right. We read this this morning in our scripture reading, Hebrews eleven thirty five through 38. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. I love this statement, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, and dens, and caves of the earth. These ones have set the path ahead of us. They endured all these things and stayed faithful to God. And as prophets of the Old Testament, you know what they looked forward to? They didn't look forward to the return of the Lord, what we do. You know what they looked forward to? They looked forward to the Messiah's advent. They looked forward to the redemption of mankind. And we, now on the other side of that, uh, on the other side of the Messiah, we look for his return. And so let us wait patiently on the Lord, no matter what happens. And then James gives us another illustration in a man named Job. He says here in verse 11, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So before we see Job, there's an interesting summary statement here. James says that those who endure these things are blessed. And the idea behind the word blessed is happy and experiencing God's favor. So so happy or experiencing the favor of God, we, we count them blessed who endure. And that's not always what we think. We often think that all of our suffering in life and all the bad things that happen to us in life are because of our disobedience to God. Now, does disobedience to God bring consequences? Yes. But it is just as true that we may face difficult things in life because we're doing what's right. Well, how do you know the difference? That's between you and the Lord. We talked about a few weeks ago about doing the will of God in our lives. 
and what God means when he says that and what that looks like throughout the scripture, you and I have to put our lives up against the word of God and and look through his perspective to understand these things. Only you and the Lord know if what you're doing is right. We may think that if we obey the Lord, life is going to be hunky-dory and smooth sailing. In fact, if we live opposite of this sinful world, you and I will face trouble. But that's okay. Because God says he will bless us for that. That he will give us true happiness. That we will enjoy the favor of the only one who matters. So let us endure. That word endure means grow patience through experience in all things in the Lord. And then James points us back to this man of God who experienced great trials in a man named Job. Job here shows us the persever- or James here shows us the perseverance of Job amidst the horrible things that he went through. Job lost all of his possessions and his children and his health. His wife became angry at God, and his supposed friends offered little comfort and help to him. And though he struggled with patience and he struggled with a desire to understand, Job still persevered in his trust in God. We read in Job 1.22, in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. In Job 13.15, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. And as Job began to look at his life and as Job listened to what his supposed friends had to say, he began to ask God a lot of questions. He began to wonder, why was this happening to him? Where, where was God in all of this? And God, in answer to those questions, showed Job his might and his power. He showed Job who was truly in control. And at the end of it all, we read this in Job 42, verses 5 and 6. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Through the trials of Job's life, God proved Job's faith to be genuine He defeated Satan's attempts to destroy Job's faith, and he gave Job a greater view of himself while blessing Job more abundantly than he had before. God has a purpose in everything you and I face. He wants us to trust him more, to hate sin more, to magnify himself and bless his faithful followers. And at the end of it all, Job saw the compassion and mercy of God on his life. God, James says, is full of compassion, or he gives to us full affection. No one can love and care for us like our God. And so, he always does what is right and best for us in his plan. And God's mercy isn't a passive thing, but God's mercy is an open invitation For us to throw our cares and concerns on him that we may find true peace in him whatever we face. So as we consider this passage this morning, let us wait patiently for the Lord and let us trust him with everything we are and everything we have. And remember that because the Lord's return is imminent, I must live in a way that honors him and rest confidently in his appearance. God's return is imminent and God's return will be unexpected. That is the message that has been proclaimed for 2,000 years and is still true today. And so therefore, we must ask ourselves, is your, is my eternal soul settled?
Because God is holy and cannot overlook our sin. And God is just and therefore must judge you and me for my sin. And if we die or he returns and we are not God's children, we do not belong to him, then you will spend eternity separated from God. However, God is loving and he's gracious and he's provided a way for us to come to him and he offers that as a gift to you. And I I ask you, as I will every week, if you do not know for sure where you will spend eternity based on the word of God, you can know that today. You can have peace with God and know him as your personal Lord. And if you know the Lord, do you live patiently looking for the Lord? Does your life back up the answer to that question? You know, you say, yes, I wait patiently looking for the Lord every day. Does your life back that up? Can you truly look at the fruit of your life and say that you match up what James tells us here? And if not, what does God need to do in your heart? What is it that you need to surrender to him? That you need to submit in your life to him? Because an expectant heart results in biblical obedience in our actions. We can patiently wait on our Lord's return as we live out his mission here on this earth. And all that our life, at our life's end, we would hear this. Well done. And by the grace of God, we can. We can not only know that we will see our God but we can know through his help that we can live in a way that we will hear him say, well done. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come here again to worship you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the the hope of the return of Jesus Christ that you have given to us. Thank you that one day you will right all the wrongs in our lives, that you will settle the accounts, and that we don't have to worry about that. And we pray that you would help us to patiently look forward to that day. To not just sit around and hope that it will come. But Lord, we ask that you will help us to act on this. To say, because you are coming, we will live in such a way that will honor you. Lord, I pray for one who may be here, hears this message today, who is wrestling with the things of God, who who has sought peace in many different places and not found it. Lord, would you show them that there is hope in the gospel? Would you give them the courage to make that right today? We ask that you would continue to do your work in our hearts as we leave here today. Lord, it's so easy to get up off of our seats here and to walk out and to forget everything we've heard. But Lord, we pray that you would continue to use your word to hammer away at our hearts today. That we would give these things to you. In your name we pray, amen.